Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts by Trailblazer Consulting. In this podcast, we highlight proven solutions that we have developed through our experience working with companies across various industries. And we talk about how you can apply them to your company. We share our experience working with companies to solve their information management challenges. We tackle records retention schedules, program implementation and training, and more complex challenges like asset data management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will discuss how to best approach selecting the individuals in your organization to interview for performing an information management assessment. Hi, this is Maura, and I'm excited to talk about this group of people that you're going to bring together and pick their brains so you can learn more about how information flows in your organization. Lee, why don't you kick us off? Thanks, Maura. Who to select the interview about their records and records management practices? What a good question. This could go in a few different ways. Uh, what I mean by that is sometimes as an outside consultant, the client may dictate who it is that you talk to. So turning that around, if you're the company person doing this and wanting to ask about company's records and records management practices, your first instinct may be to talk to individuals that send boxes to storage. I only say that because more you had said in a previous episode that records management sometimes triggers people to think about paper records stored in boxes somewhere. So we wanna, we wanna get away from that, of course. Um, while it's a good idea to obtain a thorough understanding of what records reside in offsite storage, and it's a good idea to understand the record keeping practices of individuals sending material to offsite storage, we still need a well-rounded selection of individuals throughout the organization to interview for this type of assessment. What's necessary is a discussion for approval to interview people. Um, you can't just, whether you're a consultant or in, inside the company, you can't just go around and just uh, start talking to people about their records and how they're saving things. I mean, you could, but this is a more formal process. Um, so what we want to, what we typically do as consultants is we get invited in by a certain level of individual. Uh, typically it's a general counsel or a CIO for that matter. And uh, we talk to them about what we're going to do and how we're going to conduct this interview. And we start brainstorming right then and there the level of the organization that needs to be informed first about conversations that go are going to occur about their records. Typically, that's a vice president level of a department. So you would, you would want to have either your contact at the, at the company or yourself introduce you to that vice president give an explanation of what this assessment's about, and then go about talking to them about who's the best in their organization to be able to talk to about their records. How are things created? How do things move through their department? Um, by what systems, and by systems, I mean applications do they use to store and create data? Okay, now as I started saying earlier, this could go in a few different directions. The interview list could be dictated to you, uh, you talk to that VP of the department and they give you a different person for each process within that department. For example, human resources are definitely known for this, which is not a problem. I'm just giving you insights into what we've experienced when gathering a list of people to talk to. Uh, HR may say they have different people to interview as it relates to benefits, disability and leave, recruiting, labor relations, payroll, timekeeping, et cetera, I could keep going. Um, it all depends on how large your organization is and how it's set up. It's not wrong to have specialists in each one of these particular areas. And you know, the recruiting person may not know 
how payroll is handled or how labor relations are handled. That's okay. I think it's a great point, Lee. And um, and I, I think where you're, I think one of the things we've learned is we should, we don't take the first answer, kind of don't take the first answer of just talk to, you know, June over there and she'll tell you everything because especially in the case of HR, which is interesting, they are, you, you often see that specialization, but that happens in other departments too. So I always think about this, the, the construction of the interview list as one of our first, you know, it's, a, it's an early step in the socialization, the change process, and it's really about understanding the organization. And that's us coming from outside, but it's also true if you're inside because you're in your spot and you have a view into the rest of, of what's going on, but you probably don't know all those details and how they're organized and how the people interact with each other. Those are excellent points. Thank you, Maura. I appreciate that. Um, something else that may occur once you start these interviews is that your list starts to grow and grow. That's okay. Uh, I say may occur, but for the most part, it's going to happen. Uh, the IT manager says, as, as Morris pointed out, oh, you should talk to so-and-so because they're in charge of the help desk or application design or cybersecurity for that matter. Getting more subject specific individuals to interview is a good thing, but there also needs to be a cutoff. Um, I've had interview lists grow to be around 25 people. I think, Maura, you've had experience uh, from some of our previous episodes. You talked about uh, a lot more individuals than that. I have. Um, maybe it's my, my very curious mind, but uh, 25 individuals is usually on the low end for the assessments that we end up doing, that I end up doing. Um, I recall the one organization where the... Um, the scope, and we talked in an earlier episode about narrowing scope for the assessment. The scope for this client was how to, how to improve their e-discovery process and ensure that they were carrying out everything that they needed to do around e-discovery. And although we had been called in by the CIO, we were handed the list of interviewees came from legal. And it started with seven attorneys and one paralegal. And so we got that list and we said, well, that's kind of the receiving end of the e-discovery. At the very least, let's also ask about the IT side, you know, where is the stuff stored? How are they putting it on hold? So we added a few IT people right away. And then through those first couple of conversations, we were able to make the point that, okay, but neither legal nor IT are actually the creators of the information that was going to be pulled during the discovery process or that needed to be put on hold. And so we led the, we led the interviewees through the idea of we need to talk to some people in the business. And ultimately that list grew from the original, you know, seven attorneys plus a paralegal to include about 35 people, representatives from the other parts of the business from facilities because there were a lot of boxes that had to be dealt with as well. Um, the e-discovery process expanded a little bit into overall discovery and legal hold. It's all part of how we learn more about the organization. I totally agree. Uh, I just, it was making me think of another thing that could happen is that your initial interview just doesn't, doesn't give you enough information uh, that you need to fully understand how the records flow even through that particular department. 
for instance, you know, you, you say business development and does business development encompass all the methods of an organization uh, that they use to obtain its customers? Or are there additional departments that may do customer acquisition? Um, is, is that really different than business development or is that contained under business development? Subscription development or even wholesale origination. Um, these are different departments that we've run into, but they really do kind of fit under the business development uh, you know, high level area. And so what we want to do is we want to understand how do the records get created? That's the most important piece. Can we get all of the components of a particular function to be able to, to understand what are those records? What do they create? Where do they store their records? We need to find the right people in that area to give you more insight. Key areas to make sure you find someone to interview to get where the records are kept is gonna be an environmental, if that's a need, if you have a need for that particular aspect. Permitting, manufacturing, all compliance related activities, all asset related control and maintenance records. Please, that, that's not the only items that you really need to target. As I mentioned, HR is extremely important. Business development is extremely important. Um, I'm merely suggesting some of these other ones because they're important records and they're sometimes overlooked. Especially when it comes to environmental and the and and if it's not environmental compliance, it might be some other regulatory compliance. There is uh, there's such an importance to the compliance function that it is usually sitting pretty high up in the organization, and yet that compliance function depends completely on operational day to day activities and the documentation and data that the uh, lines of business are producing in order to run the company, do the activities, and also in the process of doing that, demonstrating that they are complying with whatever um, regula regulations or laws they need to comply with. And that varies by industry, but that connection between the compliance organization and the lines of business is really important. And what we often see is that there is a duplication of effort and a duplication of data between what the compliance organization is holding and what the line of business is holding. And so if you're doing the interviews, you need to talk to both sides um, to confirm that, to find out you know, what's the flow of data. Are, we, are, are they sure that they're looking at the right information? Does it get changed when it gets up to the compliance organization? Does it get changed on a different frequency in the line of business and the compliance organization maybe has out of date data. Varies widely by organization, but that, but that separation is a consistent thing that we see. Yeah, that's a great point. There's no way that there's one person in an organization that knows all of those components, right? So don't just take one person's word for it who's been there for uh, 20 plus years and says, I know everything. I know how it's going to go. I know where all the records are. You really need to be able to talk to more people. Um, I would definitely err on the side of caution. Still try to talk to somebody in at least every major department of your organization. And each one of those departments still have separate processes within it that you're going to want to talk to as well. Uh, another thing to mention, well, I reiterate, because we did touch upon this in some of the other episodes, is um, there, there is a strategy to scheduling that is very important. And I think we're, 
we'll cover that in another episode because there's so much information that's related to it. It seems simple, but it's really not. So I know this was really quick, uh, but I think we covered a lot of good stuff. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com. That's info at trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode, like I just said, where we'll talk about the key strategic importance and mundane mechanics of setting a schedule for these interviews. Thank you.